Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and this week we're going to explore the aftermath of the Epic Games versus Apple lawsuit. I do think this will bring some changes, maybe good changes for consumers in the very near future, but it's not everything Epic wanted. And we're also going to look at a similar lawsuit that Epic still has pending against Google over their in-app practices. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. So let's first take a look at the Epic versus Apple case and what Epic was hoping to achieve. What they really wanted here was for the judge to declare the iOS App Store a monopoly and force Apple to allow the installation of third-party app stores. Epic has a third-party app store on the PC. They compete against Steam and Microsoft there. They also have an app store on Android where they compete against Google. And they cannot install an app store on iOS because it is a closed platform. And they were trying to make the argument that Apple has this monopoly control over their platform. The judge disagreed with that, largely because gamers have a lot of different choices as to how they buy their games. And if a gamer doesn't like Apple's closed ecosystem, they can go to Android or they can go to the Switch or the Xbox or the PC. There's really no monopoly here, according to the judge, when it comes to gaming. And if you really hate Apple, as I know many of you do, uh, you don't have to buy their products. And right now, really, Apple doesn't have a monopoly in the gaming space. But Epic did score a big win against Apple related to in-app purchases, because right now, Apple requires everyone to use Apple's payment systems, which take 30% of every sale. That's for an app, that's for a subscription, and for an in-app purchase. If you're a big developer like Epic, it's 30% of the sale. And the judge ruled that Apple's practices in this area have some issues because they are steering customers to the Apple solution and not providing the customer with lower cost alternatives, which clearly do exist out there. And the judge said that that violates the anti-steering portions of federal law. And as such, the judge issued an injunction to ban Apple from going after developers should they give customers a choice inside of an app to purchase content. And they also prohibited Apple from halting communications between developers and their customers to tell them about other alternatives to save money. Because right now, if a developer emails you to say, hey, you can buy this through Apple, but we'll charge you 30% less if you buy it directly from us. That practice is against the rules, and Apple will ban developers for sending out those kinds of communications. Once this injunction takes effect, Apple cannot stop that communication from happening. So I do think, ultimately, we will get some more choice on the Apple App Store insofar as in-app purchases are concerned. The app still has to be purchased through Apple, But I do think this opens the door for developers to give customers some choices about how they pay for things and find some opportunities perhaps to save some money in the process. And this is a big money decision, not only for Apple, but for developers. So take a look at this document, which is a response to the Epic lawsuit from Apple. Apple says that Fortnite on iOS alone earned $700 million over the period of time that Fortnite was available. Fortnite is no longer available because Apple kicked Fortnite and Epic off the platform completely because they purposely installed a third-party payment option 
inside of their app, which was in violation of Apple's terms of service. So Epic purposely rattled the cage, they got kicked off, and then they filed the lawsuit. That was the chain of events here. And of that 700 million that Fortnite earned over that period of time, $210 million went to Apple in fees. And this is why Epic wanted a better deal because if they're processing the payments directly, they're maybe spending one or 2% on each transaction versus 30%, and that's a lot of money. And just to give you a real world example of what this looks like right now, take a look at YouTube Premium. This is the YouTube subscription plan that gets rid of the ads. And if you go on their website, you get a three month trial and it's $11.99 a month. If you load up the YouTube Premium option within the iOS YouTube app, you get only a one month free trial and they charge you $4 more per month. Isn't that crazy? And the worst part here is that YouTube is prohibited by Apple's terms from telling you that there's a cheaper option through the web page. They could even put a link in the app and say, click here and pull up a web page. They are prohibited from doing so. And this is what the judge means by steering because they're not telling customers that there's a cheaper option available. And if YouTube were to do that, they would get every Google app kicked off of the iOS platform so they stay silent and don't tell you that there's a better deal. Now, Apple did loosen things up a little bit last month after a separate lawsuit with developers was settled out of court. And that settlement allows developers to email their customers about alternatives to App Store billing. But I don't believe that would have changed anything related to the practice of not telling customers when they're being acquired that there are alternatives. And additionally, this would require the customer to turn over their contact information to the developer because Apple does not provide developers with email addresses of who purchases their software. Now, one odd thing that came out of the Epic and Apple case is that Fortnite earned about $12 million in that short period of time in which they had that secondary payment option available. And because that was against Apple's terms of service for developers, it was a breach of contract on the part of Epic. So the judge is requiring Epic to pay 30% of the $12.1 million that they earned through that secondary payment option before Apple kicked them off the platform. So rolling forward, should that injunction uh, go into effect, this will not be an issue any longer, but because this happened before the injunction and Epic had agreed to the terms, they're gonna to have to pay about $3 million in change to Apple because of what they earned outside of the Apple payment ecosystem. Now, although Epic was partially successful in the case against Apple, they are appealing the ruling and hoping that an appeals court might agree with them on Apple's alleged monopoly position. Epic is also though suing Google on very similar grounds. And what they did with Google was very similar to what they did with Apple. They installed a third-party payment option inside of Fortnite to give people the same amount of stuff for less money. Google found out about it and kicked Fortnite off the Google Play Store. But what makes the Google case more complex is because Android is more open than iOS, and Android allows users to install their own app stores on the platform. And there's easily a dozen different ways that you can get some other app store running on your phone. 
However, Epic is arguing that Google makes this process extremely arduous for competing platforms. And within the case here, they show all of the steps it takes to install the Epic Game Store on a phone and get Fortnite running. And in addition to making things harder for consumers, Epic is alleging that Google has engaged in anti-competitive behavior related to third-party app stores coming pre-installed on phones. And you might recall for a while you could buy these Motorola phones that had the Amazon App Store installed alongside the Google Play Store. I don't think those are available anymore. And part of the reason might be that Google launched a premier device program to give manufacturers of phones some incentive to not install alternative marketplaces on those devices. And some of those incentives included other parts of Google's business, like giving the manufacturers of the phones additional search revenue from people who click on search ads, in addition to giving these manufacturers a cut of what was spent on the Google Play Store. And Epic alleges that Google incentivized developers to stay off of secondary app stores by offering them side deals from their other business units, like YouTube sponsorships and cloud services. Epic was offered these terms according to their lawsuit, but they turned them down because they say that they want Android open for all developers, not just ones that Google wants to incentivize to stay exclusive. And one of the fun things about these big tech lawsuits is that you get to see a lot of the internal communication going on from both parties. And it looks as though at one point, some Google executives were discussing a plan to conduct a hostile takeover attempt of Epic uh, by purchasing portions of Epic shares from Tencent, which is a Chinese company, or according to this article, giving Tencent money to buy more shares of Epic to try to own them outright. Crazy stuff. Definitely check out the article that you can see on screen here, and we'll no doubt be returning to this topic once this lawsuit gets underway. I have a feeling Google might be a little more vulnerable here than Apple because Google did choose to open up their platform for other app stores, yet they are using some of their power in the marketplace to coerce or convince developers to stay exclusive to them. And there might be a little bit more liability here with Google on the app store side. And what we just saw with the Apple case shows us there might be some liability for Google on the payment side as well. Now, the big question is, will any of this matter in the end to consumers? And I think it will, but Apple is not going to be required to make this easy for anybody. So in the case of the YouTube example we made earlier, if you wanted to switch to that lower cost option, you're gonna to have to go over to your iTunes account, cancel the YouTube subscription there, go to the YouTube website and re-register on that site. And now you've got a bunch of subscriptions in a bunch of different places billing you every month. And what I have found through my personal experience is that people generally stick to what's called the tyranny of the default. I remember when my bank shifted my free checking account to one that they wanted to charge me 12 bucks a month, my wife was dragging her feet on getting her account moved over. And I said, it's $12 a month. I've had enough of this. We went to our community bank, which is completely free, but it took a whole day or so to get everything straightened out and moved over. And a lot of times people just go with the default because it's easier. So there will be more to come on this. I'm really eager though to see how inconvenient Apple tries to make this process for developers and users. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I doubt it. Keep an eye on that and keep an eye on the Google case. 
Court Listener is a great nonprofit site to do that, and you can check it out at lon.tv slash epic Google Court to get all the latest updates in the case, and you can also dive into a lot of the motions and other things that are going back and forth between the parties here. There's always some good reading on that site, so check it out if you're interested in the case. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, this week's wrap-up, as always, is being brought to you by all of you, and we have a new Patreon subscriber to thank, John Gilbert. I want to thank John and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis and all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution through my DonorBox page. And speaking of fees, DonorBox takes the least amount of fees out of your contribution. So Google takes 30%. I forgot what Patreon is, but they're, I think, close to 10% when you factor all the different things into place. And DonorBox, for me, is typically between 2 and 5%, depending on the amount of the contributions. So there you go. The fees impact everybody everywhere, but at least... You have choices as to where you can contribute to for your favorite creators. And I try to make it available everywhere. So we do support the YouTube membership program and Floatplane and Patreon. And again, if you just want to watch, that's cool too. Every little bit helps. Now we have some other ways to engage with the channel. We've got my Amazon shop where you can watch my videos ad-free. And most of what I post here as far as product reviews are concerned end up over there. We also, of course, are on Floatplane, and we do live streams quite a bit, and you can see an archive of my live streams, also ad-free at lon.tv slash live streams. Now, you can engage with the channel in a bunch of different ways. We've got my email list, which is very infrequent. We only send out an email when something's going on. I might send one out this week to let you know about my plans for covering the Inspiration4 SpaceX launch. I decided not to go down there. There's not a lot of things the press can see at this one So we'll do it from here. I think it's going to be a fun get-together. So I will send out an email once I know the details as to when the launch time is. And if you want to engage with us in other ways, you can go to my new Discord channel at lon.tv slash Discord. And i got to start popping in there a little bit more often. Uh, But Brian Parker and Mark Dell, who have been managing that for me, will be more than happy to welcome you. And I will pop in from time to time as well. And we have our store at lon.tv slash store to check out. And that's where I sell previously used items that I reviewed here on the channel. And you can often get a great deal on something because it is pretty much brand new. I just had it out long enough to review it. And we usually get rid of that stuff so we can buy more stuff to review. So if you want to get notified whenever we add something to the store, head over to lon.tv slash store alert. And I've got a big pile of stuff I have to go through when I get caught up on my video reviews. And I've got a bunch of fun ones coming up this week, so stay tuned. And that's going to do it for now. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters, including Gold Level supporters Hot Sauce and Video Games, Brian Parker, Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Thomas Anfang, 
Jim Tannis, and Handheld Obsession. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.